Ready? And this is the Daily Oz. This is the Daily Oz. This is the Daily Oz. Oh, now it makes sense. Hey there, I'm just popping in because since this podcast was uploaded on Tuesday morning, New South Wales police have announced that they are very confident that they have located the bodies of Jesse Baird and Luke Davies. The bodies were found in Bungonia, a small town about 200 kilometres southwest of Sydney. The rest of the information in this episode remains up to date. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Tuesday the 27th of February. I'm Zara. I'm Sam. Last Friday, a New South Wales police officer was charged with the murder of Sydney couple Jesse Baird and Luke Davies. Although they have charged police officer Bo Lamar Condon, who was the former partner of Baird, police have said he is not cooperating in the search for the bodies. In today's deep dive, we'll talk through what we know has happened, how the community is responding, and all the things that the police are still trying to piece together. Before we get there, though, Sam, what's making headlines today? The Greens have announced they will vote against the federal government's help to buy scheme in the House of Representatives. The proposal is aimed at increasing home ownership amongst low-income earners, with the government contributing to the purchase of a home in exchange for part ownership of the property. Greens leader Adam Bant is calling for Labor to cap rents and build more public housing. Legal proceedings have begun to determine an appeal brought by former New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian over corruption allegations. The Independent Commission Against Corruption, that's ICAC, found that Berejiklian engaged in corruption during a relationship with former Wagga Wagga MP Daryl Maguire. Berejiklian's lawyers have argued ICAC was acting outside its authority in handing down the rulings. Hearings will continue today. The Eiffel Tower has reopened after employee strikes saw the Paris Monument closed to the public for almost a week. Workers walked off the job over a dispute for better pay and improved maintenance at the site. The tower's operator said a deal has now been reached with the workers' union and the monument will reopen. The closures led to the refund of around 100,000 entry tickets. And the good news. The High Court of Bangladesh has outlawed the practice of elephant adoption. The practice has allowed Asian elephants to be raised in captivity as part of travelling circuses. Animal welfare advocates have welcomed the ruling. Before we start today's deep dive, just a quick heads up that this explainer might be distressing for some listeners. If you're not in the right headspace to listen today, we will chat to you again tomorrow. So Zara, the search for the bodies of Jesse Baird and Luke Davies is still underway. And this case really developed quite quickly in a couple of days. Can you take me back to last week when we first heard about it all? Yeah. So I'll first just go through how this unfolded in the media. So it was Thursday afternoon when we first heard about the case. New South Wales police announced that they were investigating the suspicious disappearance of a couple, both in their 20s. Ex-Channel 10 presenter Jesse Baird, who was 26, and flight attendant Luke Davies, who was 29. The couple hadn't been seen since that Monday, so police were appealing for public information three days after they had definitely last been seen. I'll paint a picture of what police told us at that time, so last Thursday. They said that last Wednesday morning, some of the couple's possessions were found in a skip bin in Cronulla, By Wednesday afternoon, police had gone to Baird's home in Paddington and immediately established a crime scene. 
On Thursday, police executed a search warrant at a home in Balmain, and that was in relation to a New South Wales police officer and the former partner of Baird. We later found out that his name is Beau Lamar Condon. And by Friday, that name was everywhere. It was in all the headlines. Mm -hmm. What happened after that? Yeah, so on Friday, Lamar Condon handed himself into police in Bondi. Within hours, the 28-year-old police officer had been charged with two counts of murder. And just before I go on any further, I do just want to make a note about the language we're going to use from here on out. You're going to hear us say the word alleged a lot, and that's because until a verdict is delivered in a court, it is still an allegation, regardless of the fact that charges have been filed. So at a press conference on Friday, Homicide Squad Commander Danny Doherty said this. Police also located uh, a projectile at the premises that, uh, which had been discharged and also uh, a fired cartridge case. This has now been uh, ballistically matched to a New South Wales police firearm. And just quickly, on the note of an off-duty police officer being able to actually access a firearm, New South Wales Police said yesterday that they're speaking to Victoria Police to help them review their systems about how they actually store those firearms. Overnight, I've spoken to my colleague, the Chief Commissioner of Victoria Police, to assist us in the review of our systems, the access and uh, storage of New South Wales Police firearms as it as it relates to particularly those areas of the organisation where it affects specialist areas and or events that we colloquially use as term as user pays events. So it's now been a few days since the police charged Lamar Condon. Mm-hmm. What have they learnt about what allegedly has happened? So yesterday, police held a press conference where they revealed all of these new details about what they now know or what they now believe to have happened. So police confirmed that last Monday, gunshots were heard at about 9.50am from the Paddington address. And just a reminder, that's where Baird lived. Police have also now said that four minutes after those shots were first heard, there was a triple zero call made from Baird's phone, but it disconnected. Police, when they were asked, wouldn't provide any further information on who they actually believe Mm. made that call. Police said that on the same day, so last Monday, the accused then hired a white van from Sydney Airport. On Tuesday, they believe Lamar Condon allegedly told an acquaintance that he had been involved in the death of two individuals. The exact wording from what the police said yesterday was that he allegedly made, quote, partial admissions. Then on Wednesday, police believe that he drove to somewhere called Bungonia. It's a very small town, about 200 kilometres southwest of Sydney. Police said that he went there with an acquaintance who's now assisting police with their inquiries. And police have said that the acquaintance, quote, was not involved with anything. The accused then went back to Sydney that Wednesday night where he bought weights from a department store and then overnight allegedly went back to the property in Bungonia and then back to Sydney. Now, I know that the geography is a bit confusing, especially if you're not from Sydney, but I think that it just shows the scope of what the investigation is actually Mm. looking like at the moment. So police say that on Thursday he drove to Newcastle Again, if you're not from New South Wales, a bit of context, Newcastle is two hours north of Sydney approximately. There it's alleged that he asked an acquaintance for a hose to clean the van. Then lastly, on Friday morning, he drove from Newcastle back to Sydney where he then handed himself into police 
in Bondi. So the man accused handed himself into police in Bondi, but he mm-hmm. isn't cooperating with detectives on Correct. where the bodies are. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that aspect of the investigation. Yeah, so that's right. The accused has not told police any information about where the bodies are, and police have essentially said that he's refusing to cooperate. In the press conference yesterday, they said it's possible that he returned to the property in Bungonia to retrieve the bodies and to dispose of them somewhere else, but police also said that there are gaps still in their timeline. So they're still basically looking in multiple places. They haven't really narrowed down the scope that much. All over New South Wales. Exactly. And police have said that their number one priority at the moment is to try and locate the bodies. And they've said that they're searching hundreds of kilometres north and south of the main crime scene here in Sydney. So this story is obviously horrific on a singular level, Mm. but there are also broader dynamics at play here about the relationship between the police and the gay community, right? Yeah, I mean, for a number of reasons. Firstly, this coming weekend in Sydney is Mardi Gras, which, of course, is a bright and colourful celebration of the LGBTQIA plus pride that happens every year. It began as a protest in 1978 against discrimination and oppression faced by the community at a time when sex between men was illegal and you could legally be sacked if you were discovered to be gay or trans. Anti-discrimination laws were still years away. The first Mardi Gras march down Oxford Street was met with violent arrests by police who also assaulted protesters while they were detained in their cells. Police have marched in the Mardi Gras parade since 1998. Now, over the weekend, the Sydney Morning Herald published an editorial and that just basically means the paper took a uniform position on an issue. And in this editorial, they said police should not march in this year's Mardi Gras. When asked about it, here's what New South Wales Police Commissioner Karen Webb responded. We have been participating in Mardi Gras for the last 20 years and haven't missed a year. And I would hate to see that this is the year that we are excluded because of the actions of one person. Then late last night, the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras board actually released a statement that said that it had taken the decision to request that the police do not march in the 2024 parade. The statement said, and I quote, our community needs space to grieve the loss of Jesse and Luke, who, before this tragedy, would have been here celebrating with us at the festival. And then aside from Mardi Gras, there's also this fact that just a few months ago, an inquiry into LGBTIQ hate crimes in New South Wales delivered its final report. It made 19 recommendations for the police force about how to correct a history of bias against these communities. Over the weekend, the same police commissioner, Karen Webb, apologised to the families of the gay hate victims and she said that New South Wales police would, quote, use these lessons to continue to improve. So there are, as you say, these fraught dynamics that are playing out at the same time as this criminal investigation. If you need help, please reach out to QLife on 1800 184 527. A really disturbing and complex story there, Zara. Thank you for joining us on The Daily Oz today. We'll be back again tomorrow morning. Until then, have a good day. My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present.